Well, hello. It's good to be with you today. If I haven't met you, I'm Ashling Zweigel, the family life pastor here at 10th. And it's my joy to open up the word today. I shared with a few people that it's not always the case, but sometimes when I'm getting ready to share out of God's word, I'll actually wake up with a word spoken over me. And this morning, I woke up at five in the morning and the first words that I heard in my mind's ear was, I get to speak good news today. That was my gift. (laughs) Well, I remember a time when my boys were quite young here in Vancouver on a a beautiful sunny day. Um, They were playing on the beach. My older son, Graydon, was about seven years old. My younger son, Abram, was about five. And I've got a picture here. It's not them, but it perfectly represents this age and stage of kids on this child discovery uh, experience that feels like a divine appointment. Eyes looking down, hands in the sand, rocks being moved, searching for treasures and critters. And it was a special treat. My mom was in town, and she doesn't visit very often. And so we were on our beach towels, and the tide was going farther and farther out. And and it was glorious sunshine, and Vancouver had awakened in all its beauty, and everyone was remembering what a beautiful place we get to call home. So I remember it as though all people, young and old, had flocked to the beach that day, crowds. And my boys were acting as they should, like they had a date with freedom. (laughs) They didn't remember where they'd started, they only knew where they were going next. And after some time, they looked a little bit more like dots on the horizon, but they were my dots. (laughs) So my eyes never left them. They were the most important part of the landscape that day. But after some time, I could tell my older son, Graydon, his body language was changing. And I could read it and tell that he was starting to frantically look from side to side. He, it was like he had suddenly realized, I started somewhere, and I ended up somewhere, but I'm not sure how far apart those two places are. And he seemed to be keenly aware in that moment that he had no idea where I was. And because of that, it was like he was... He was feeling he had no idea where he was either. It can feel that way, those alarms sound when we start wondering who's got us. (laughs) Am I safe? We can get kind of distracted even as adults with the things that are delighting us or distracting us or disturbing us. And, And when we look up from whatever it is we're engaged in, we can metaphorically feel a bit lost got me? Am I okay? Well, as his mom, I quickly made it the most important priority to make my way through those crowds and and get to my son who was having this fight or flight response in his body and let him know, I've got you. I never left you. My eyes were on you all that time. But in his experience, his brain and body shouting for somebody to watch over him, he was sure he had been lost for a really long time. 
And so for days following that, he would have this residual stress response. His system would get flooded if I was out of sight. And I had to quickly lock my eyes on him and let him know, I've got you. I've got you. Be assured of it with my smile, my gaze. Who do you look to when you scan the horizon of your life and you feel there's trouble? Who do you reach for when you feel like you're not sure you're safe and secure? We all reach for something or someone. We are in a series here at 10th where we're exploring this gift of the Holy Spirit. And in recent weeks, we have been looking at what it means to understand the Holy Spirit as our source of power and as our divine teacher and guide and our intercessor praying on our behalf, among other themes. And today, we're going to talk about what it means to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as peace in troubled times. As we do that, I want us to turn our attention to John chapter 14, verse 15 through 20, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples about the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who would come. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. And when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And then a few verses later, he says these words to his followers, and I want us to hear them to our hearts today. In chapter 14, verse 27, it says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus is talking to his disciples just before he himself is going to be betrayed. He's going to be scorned and beaten. He's going to die. He's headed to the cross. And these followers who have journeyed with him in discipleship, they don't know the resurrection is coming. <laughs> they don't know what God's going to do next. They just see the trouble around them. And they have walked with him and been taught by him. And, and they've faced hunger and threats. And they've asked questions. They must feel like they are all in. Everything's at stake. When Jesus says, I'm going to be gone, their throat must be feeling a heartbeat. <laughs> like, God, if Jesus, if you're gone, who's, who's got us now? Who do we turn to if we face trouble? And Jesus seems to be assuring them, and I believe assuring us today, that the Holy Spirit is a gift of peace, assuring us God's got you. 
God's got you. And these are not just hollow words. Have you had someone speak into your life when you're experiencing trouble and say things that sounded a bit like platitudes, like it'd make a really good bumper sticker? (laughs) Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. It's all going to work out all right. Feels a little bit like a, a nice slogan that they're giving you. And if we're not careful, we may hear Jesus' words today, do not be troubled or afraid. And we might hear it like a toxic positivity or like a cheap soundbite instead of the genuine promise of peace that it is. I want us to hear it right today. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. See, Jesus knew that he needed to direct his disciples' eyes to what he was going to do next. And their spiritual imaginations were always needing some help. And our spiritual imaginations need help too. See, when Jesus showed up, they were already wanting something different in a Savior. They wanted somebody who was going to conquer their enemies and and reign with might. Even if it took violence, they wanted to be sure someone was in the right, someone was in the wrong, and they knew which side they wanted to be on. And Jesus was always showing them a different way. And he was speaking peace into their lives. But this was a different kind of peace. And the Holy Spirit is a gift of peace that transforms the very landscape of our lives. But I want you to think of it a little bit more like my son on the beach that day. The crowds were all still in place. Everything was still just as it had been. The change was that when his eyes were on the one that had him, it was like the landscape was different. And when the Holy Spirit brings a peace that reminds us who's got us and who secures us, we might still be walking in some of the same troubles, but everything's different. Because we know we're not alone. Changes the landscape of our lives. I was speaking recently with a friend of mine, Julie. Julie is a senior leader in her industry. She's successful in all the ways we might uh, define success. People in her organization want Julie working on the pressing projects that, that are on their, on their to-do lists. They know they can count on her. But Julie confided in me that throughout her career, she has had countless moments of great anxiety and dread. Working tirelessly, endless hours, looking for the security to let her know it's going to be okay. And a family member of Julie's named Gary had messaged her recently and, and let her know he was praying for her. He's a believer in Christ. He had worked in the same industry before he retired and, and he had seen many a senior leader like herself work thankless hours and end up with little to show for it. And he knew that the security, the peace that the Spirit offers is altogether different. So he let her know he'd been praying for her for a long time. And Julie told me that she's been praying about that as well. She's been going to Christian counseling appointments and in those appointments she's been working with the Lord on why it is she experienced that dread and, and, and where her eyes are getting turned from the one who's got her. 
and she's been working on her rhythms and her boundaries so that she still has time for her well-being and for her faith and for her family. But she said that God's presence has been coming alive to her in her times of reading God's word in the morning. So whether it's her morning coffee time or even in the middle of her high escalation meetings or in the nighttime when she lays her head on her pillow, she's been reminded that she's not facing it all alone. And she was... Uh, working out in the gym recently and she messaged me and told me that she'd gotten done with a really hard conference call and the pressure was very real but she had been reading in God's word about the way that God's people had had turned to the Lord to lead them through the wilderness in Exodus chapter 13. She'd been reading about how God's people were led with this miraculous provision with a cloud by day, a cloud of, by, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And as she worked out, she said in this really special personal way, she was praying over what she was facing in her life and she looked out and she saw steam rising on the outdoor pool and it's little, but she looked at it and she just heard the Spirit say, I'm with you. I'm with you. And then she was driving home late at night and, and she was praying over the things that were, were feeling like a weight on her and she couldn't help but notice that she was driving right through an unexpected bit of fog. <laughs> Steam by day and fog by night. The fog enveloped her car over her windshield, and once again, this peace, just this gift, just ushered over her. And she knew she was hearing the Spirit say to her in a way so meaningfully to her heart, I am with you. You do not face this alone. You see, when we ask, how is this peace that Jesus is offering, how is it different? Well, it, the Spirit gives us comfort. The Spirit gives us comfort. Later on, Julie messaged me and she said, God must love me so much to be so gracious and giving me these little moments, reminding me of his peace. She said she wakes up every day and she's sure she cannot do it on her own. <laughs> but she doesn't have to. And she knows she's not facing it alone. So the Spirit gives us comfort. The Spirit also gives us courage. I was reading just this week about the courage that Martin Luther King Jr. would, Jr. would draw from his readings of scripture on some of his darkest days. And in his loneliest time, he would pull from hymns that had been passed among God's people to encourage him, to root him, to give him peace. One hymn he would recite and share in his speeches. I've seen the lightning flashing and heard the thunder roll. I've felt sin's breakers dashing which tried to conquer my soul. I've heard the voice of my Savior. He bid me still fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. You see, when we draw from the Spirit who gives us comfort and courage, we become a people of peace and we share that courage outwards to others. Powerful. This is true in moments of great fear. 
It's also true in moments of small surprises. I was talking with a few coworkers at my last ministry site prior to coming back to Vancouver when I was living in the States, and I was joking with some coworkers about the fact that I, I, I don't really have much of a startle response anymore. I, uh, I don't know if you know people like this, I had one coworker who every time someone even walked up behind her in the office or in a conference room, ah, she got really startled and, and her breath was taken away. Maybe that's one of you. But for me, I said, it must be because I've raised these vivacious boys. They just took the startle right out of me. <laughs> I'll give you an example. Um, when my younger son was quite small, um, I was waking up in our house, living in East Vancouver at that time, and, and I was fumbling at about 5.30 or 6 in the morning to make my way to the kitchen counter to reach my water kettle and my French press, you know, kind of blind. <laughs> And just as I was about to get to my coffee, my younger son, at the crack of dawn, jumped out from behind a living room chair and sang at the top of his lungs with a lot of vibrato, Oh, Canada, our home and native land. You see what I was dealing with? <laughs> my startle reflex didn't stand a chance. <laughs> and I was joking with my coworkers about that day, but here's the thing. One of my really good friends on staff is especially cheeky, and I didn't know that, he, unbeknownst to me, he had taken that as a double dare. He's very competitive and also very strategic, and he decided he wasn't going to start small and, and work his way up. No, he was going to wait for the right moment. So a handful of days later, I was moving all the furniture in my office, and I had just been moving a heavy bookshelf, and right when I was really lost in thought, this friend <laughs> of mine came up behind me with an inflatable bat, and he hit my desk as hard as he could, and in my mind's eye, I was certain that bookshelf I had just moved was crashing down behind me, and I let out a little scream. <laughs> he had found my startle reflex. I laughed and I said, well done. But I, I mentioned to you he's competitive, and it was a, a small scream, so it wasn't over. <laughs> a few weeks later, I had slipped into the building on our campus, and, and we, we had a, a few parking lots, and I was certain I only saw my car. And because I, I don't really mind being by myself, and I don't really mind the dark, I hadn't even turned the lights on. I was in the building at the photocopier machine, and I was just going to run some copies, make my way in, make my way out. But unbeknownst to me, this friend of mine was in the building, and he saw his moment. He dropped to all fours. He crawled his way down the hallway. He got just close enough to me, just close enough where he might be spotted, and in the dark of night, he jumped to his feet, when I thought I was all by myself, and he screamed out loud. In that moment, I screamed so loud and long, it surprised us both. We were laughing until we were crying. <laughs> and then a really strange thing happened. I had so much of fright going through my body, I jumped up, and I, even after talking, I said to him, you've done it. He knew it. I knew it. And I screamed again. <laughs> I said, you did this to me. I just have to get all the scream out of me before I can move on again. 
And as I've been praying for us this week, I've been thinking about the Spirit's gift of courage, and I've been wondering what kinds of things we may be facing today that's a little bit like that. Like we just haven't even got the scream out of us yet. Are you facing something like that? Personal relationships, job changes, financial decisions, parenting heartaches, things that feel like dead ends that make you want to scream, but there's no laughter, health decisions. I don't know what it is you're facing today. But I want you to hear that when Jesus enters into our lives with the Spirit's help, he says, peace, right there, right in the place where we just haven't even gotten the screams out of us yet. And the Spirit draws close to us and and gives us space to be able to share with the Lord that we are just so full of fear. We need God's help. We need God's courage. And we can say, I'm not done getting out of this, this out of my system yet, Lord. I need you. And sometimes when we use the word peace, we think of it really docile, like a nurturing hug. And it is. It can be. But I've been thinking about the ways that the Spirit draws close to us with something I want to call a rowdy peace (laughs) that matches the intensity of our fear. I have a picture here of of the zip line at Rockridge Canyon at our retreat with the weekend away. One of the first things I did was get on the zip line and you'll see a couple specks there that are the students. (laughs) I took a picture of them. Really soon after arriving at this weekend away, we were careening over this beautiful landscape with considerable force. And as I've been praying about the Spirit's work in our lives, giving us peace in times of trouble, I can't help but thinking maybe it's a little bit more like that. Less like a docile peace and more like us running to the Lord and saying, are you going to catch me? (laughs) I'm up against a lot. Can I trust that you'll have me, Lord? And the Spirit meets us right there and does not let us go. It's a good time for us to be talking about a rowdy peace because today is Pentecost Sunday. When the Spirit showed up among God's people in Acts chapter 2. These believers had gathered together in in bewilderment as Jesus died on the cross and then in wonder as he rose again and and then in seeing him ascend to be with the Father. They must have so many questions. Not knowing what God was going to do next. And then the, the advocate, the spirit that is promised in John chapter 14 arrives in Acts chapter 2 and changes the landscape of their lives. And when the spirit shows up, the dividing lines between them that made them not understand one another were pushed aside and, and Jesus alive through his spirit, brought them together. 
in that work of Pentecost. And I've been reflecting on the words that Peter spoke to the crowds that day, trying to explain what the Spirit was doing, and, and he refers to Psalm 16. But I'll be honest, I haven't gotten very far in the psalm because I just kept sitting with Psalm 16, verse 1 and 2. Eugene Peterson says it this way in the message, Keep me safe, O God. I've run for dear life to you. I say to God, be my Lord. Without you, nothing makes sense. That sounds like the way it feels to run to the one you know has got you in the very way you need it most. And in our troubles, we become a people together who run to God together, confessing our need for him to make us safe and secure together. When the Holy Spirit comes on his people, we become the church. With a spirit-filled togetherness, spirit-empowered. And we wait on him and say, apart from what you're going to do next, oh God, I can't do it alone. But together, we say to the Lord, in your name, we will say, we will not be troubled or afraid. I've been thinking about where it is I've seen the spirit work that way. And I want to end with this story. Some of you know that a handful of us were with some of our Cambodian partners in, in Phnom Penh in, in November, last November. And I have a picture of Pastor Ken and Pastor Patrick and some of our team members sitting together in Shalom Valley at the camp, the retreat center that 10th has been so instrumental in building. There we have camps that are run for children and youth with the Alongsiders organization. But for, for this time, we were meeting with our Cambodian partners and we were listening to Makara, one of our dear friends and translators, speak about the ways that the Spirit was moving among them. And we weren't just sitting anywhere in this Shalom Valley, this place of peace. We were sitting in the middle of a bomb crater. We were sitting right where there had been incredible harm during the Khmer Rouge, during the, the genocide that took place in Cambodia not that long ago. And it was somber. It was really a sacred moment. But we were also celebrating the beauty that was coming out of ashes. And, and we couldn't help but notice that in the middle of that crater, there was flowers and foliage that was growing, a tree growing. But that's not all. As Makara was sharing from his heart to ours, you'll see a blonde sitting there, Elise. Elise works for Food for the Hungry, and she was one of the partners that came with us on this trip. And we roomed together the whole time, so we became really close. She was like a young sister in the faith. And as she sat there and we talked about what the Spirit was doing, tears began to roll down Elise's face. You see, she had just been on a, a relief trip in the Ukraine, and she hadn't even had time to process what she had experienced and seen. So here she was, sitting in a bomb crater in Cambodia, but fresh in her mind and her heart were those people she had been grieving with in the Ukraine, with fresh destruction. And a really moving thing happened. 
In this next picture, you'll see Selah, a Cambodian elder in the group. He began to pray and speak over Elise. And he began to pray in Khmer first and then in English, uh, praying for the Ukrainian people. And tears began to roll down Selah's face as well. And my understanding from Makara and our other friends there is that it's very unusual for a man of his stature, that age, who had faced things he cannot talk about because of how, how heartbreaking it is, for him to show that level of emotion and to speak out of that. It was really a sacred moment. I asked Elise yesterday, what was it like for her to experience that? And she said, when we arrived at Shalom Valley, I was still struggling to process the deep pain I had witnessed in the Ukraine. I had absolutely no idea that going to Cambodia would bring me hope for them. But as we sat there in that bomb crater, the people around me prayed for the Ukraine and I felt so much joy knowing God had put their hurt on these leaders' hearts and we were all brothers and sisters in Christ. Their prayers were so heartfelt and their understanding expressed that there was not this us and then attitude. No, we were God's people and these hurts mattered to the Father and so they mattered to us. She said their history of war and the things that they had experienced meant that Selah was able to speak with so much compassion. It was beautiful. And then she said the spirit moved with healing as we experienced together with the spirit's help God's love for our Ukrainian friends, for that Cambodian circle, and for our team as well. Spirit of God, bringing comfort, bringing courage, and bringing connection. The Spirit of God gives connection, connecting us beyond what divides us so that we become a people who are able to look troubles in the face differently. You see, peace is not an absence of hurt. <laughs> peace is rowdy. It takes hold of differences and fear and aloneness and it gives comfort beyond words. It gives courage beyond reason and connection beyond misunderstandings. This is a peace that looks troubled times in the face, takes hold of it and says, do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid because we are not alone. God's got us, and he will not let us go. That's good news. So friends, where do you turn to in your times of trouble? Where do your eyes look when you feel alone, disconnected, or you feel afraid? We are a people who can do this mighty thing. We can turn our eyes to the one who gives us peace, the one who's got you, the one who's got us. And I ask you to do this one thing, to find our security and safety in him and to wait on him, to pray earnestly for what the spirit wants to do next among us as he gives us peace. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, I thank you that you give us a peace different than what our spiritual imagination can fathom or come up with. Thank you, Lord, that you point our eyes to you. Thank you, Lord, that you give us comfort, that you give us courage, and that you connect us. And Lord Jesus, I pray for your spirit to move mightily among us. Make us your people who say we will not be troubled or afraid. Amen.